What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Good morning to those of you tuning with us online this morning, those of you here in my presence, thank you so much for joining us on this Sunday morning right here at Next Level Freedom Church. If you're tuning online, thank you so much for tuning online with us this morning. Make sure you join us in person really soon. We are located currently at the Jackson Civic Center, which is located at 381 East Deerwood Drive, Jackson, Missouri. We would love to meet you and your family and pray with you about whatever needs you may have in your life. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church here in Jackson, Missouri, and it is so glad to be with you this morning. It has been a crazy week, but I'm here to tell you Christians, get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Today we're going to be continuing our series, From Jacob to Israel. There is a name change there. It is an important thing to make a note of because God can take each one of us and take us from where we used to be and turn us into who we're going to be. So here's another thing I said years ago, and I kind of like it, so it kind of stuck with me. Your past doesn't determine, determine, sorry, your future. So get ready to understand God, understand his love. Don't worry about your past because God, just like he did for Jacob, who was in fact a deceiver, he was deceptful in a lot of the things he did. We read about some of the stories. His name meant supplanter, which meant to replace. And that is exactly what he did to his brother Esau when it came to the blessing of his father and the birthright of of his brother. So get ready, church. God is, he's in the house. We had some awesome worship this morning, and I thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for listening. Let's go ahead and read our key passage for this entire series, and it comes out of Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Here's what it says. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak." Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. If you were tuned with us, and I'm going to say this real quick and we're going to move on. If you were tuned with us back in November, um, all through November, part of December, when we did a series called Signs of the Times, and we did another series right before that called The Narrow Path. 
And we talked about how we need to be on the narrow path, not the broad path. You don't get on the path that the world's trying to take you down. You get on the narrow path, which is God, who through Jesus can and will, or maybe already has, saved your soul. So as I look back at that, remember we talked about Jesus in Matthew 24, speaking of a great revival that was to come before the tribulation period. I believe we are getting ever so close to that season. And church, it's time to wake up and it's time to get ready because God is wanting to use you just like we just read in our key passages. Remember, God said to Jeremiah, rereading that scripture in verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, before your granddaddy winked at your grandma, is what I heard an evangelist once say. God already had a plan for your life. The question becomes, do I surrender to that plan and follow God's plan for my life? Or do I fall away and try to go my own way, which those of you who are Christians can testify that your way just was not working. And God had to transform you by the renewing of your mind, Scripture tells us, so that we could begin to look forward into the future that God has for each and every one of us. I'm here to tell you this morning, don't get discouraged. No matter what you're facing in life right now, I promise you, God has said to you, just like he said to Jeremiah here when he was giving him his call, he said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, before you were born, (laughs) I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now, we've talked about the age of Jeremiah a little bit, so I won't hit on it a lot, but maybe some of you, this is your first time checking us out here this morning. And we look back at Jeremiah, and we see his response. He's a 13-year-old kid, they believe, somewhere between 13 and 15. He's young. He's a kid. He's like, God, what? God has spoken to Jeremiah, ordained him a prophet to the nations. He said, God, I can't speak. I'm a youth. And we talked about weeks ago, and even I might have mentioned it last week when we got back into this series, God doesn't need your excuses as to why you can't do what he's called you to do. What he needs you to do is surrender to your calling so that he can push you forward into everything he has for your life, taking you into your next level of freedom. Hence the name of our church. Remember the vision statement, reaching others where they're at. There are people in this world who are not going to be able to hear the gospel from anybody else but you. Because God has brought you through things in your life, and you are now able to relate to those who are going through the same thing. I always look at trials. I always look at tests. And sometimes it drives my wife nuts because I'm so positive and try to look to that side. I am always looking for what is God trying to do with this? Maybe going through a struggle and I'm thinking, who am I going to be able to help in my future? When somebody comes to me with whatever the problem may be, I'm not even going to list any. But understand this, you go through situations for a reason and God has called you to speak to some people that will not hear the gospel without your help. He's using us to accomplish his will. So notice in verse 7, God says, don't say to me I'm too young. And I'm paraphrasing. 
You're going to go to everyone I send you to. Speaking that this morning. That is the word of the Lord this morning. You're going to go to all I send you to, and whatever I command you to speak, you will speak. He's going to put those words in your mouth when you begin relating to people, just like he put those words in Jeremiah's mouth. When you can read his whole book in the Old Testament and the things he said, he was a strange prophet. A lot of the prophets were. People thought he was crazy. They thought he was nuts. Some of the stuff he was saying, because what he was saying didn't always sound good. And there were a lot of false prophets around as well, speaking other things that tickled the ears a little bit better. God said, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Whoo, I wasn't planning on doing all that this morning. That's a word for somebody. I hope you grab a hold of that this morning. Genesis 31. And I don't think I'm going to be before you long today, but we'll see what happens, because we're going to kind of, today we're going to get to this thing, the title I've given today's message as we continue the series is Laban's Pursuit. He pursues Jacob. That's where we're going today. Laban pursues Jacob. And we're going to be talking about that today in the text. Genesis 31, verses 22 to 30. We're going to read chunks today because it's a lot of passages to get through if we don't take it in bigger chunks. But check this out. And Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled. So three days after he took off, remember last week we ended, he took off. He took his family, he took all his possessions, and he left, unbeknownst to Laban. Laban finds out three days later. Now remember, when they parted for the deal of the speckled and the spotted and all of the animal, livestock, the goats, the sheep, the things he was going to get for his payment, Laban took a three-day journey away from Jacob. So three days later, by messenger, however it happens, Laban finds out that Jacob has left. Verse 23, then he took his brethren with him and pursued him for seven days journey. And he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. But God had come to Laban, the Syrian, in a dream by night and said to him, be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. So Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountains, and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mountains of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done that you have stolen away unknown to me and carried away my daughters like captives taken with the sword? Why did you flee away secretly, steal away from me, and not tell me? For I might have sent you away with joy and songs." With timbrel and harp, and you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly in so doing. It is, my, is it in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. And now you have surely gone because you greatly long for your father's house. But why? Did you steal my gods? For those of you who haven't caught some of the other messages in this series, we've talked about this, and I think we talked about a lot of it last week as we began this series again. You take a look at the accusations that Laban is bringing to Jacob. First thing, just to give you kind of an idea or a picture of this journey and how far it may have been, let's go ahead and throw this out there. When Laban catches up to Jacob, 
where he catches up to him is really unknown. But from Haran, which is where they believe he was at, or where the Bible tells us he was at, to northern end of the hill country of Gilead is approximately 300 miles. That's a long way. In order to have achieved the distance that we read about here in the scripture, Jacob would have had to have been traveling at least 30 miles per hour, or 30 miles per day, sorry, not per hour. 30 miles per day. Now, on average, a caravan could only go about 23 miles per day. On average. Now, you've got to add in the fact that Jacob has daughters, or he's got sons, he's got children, basically. He's got women with him, and they slow down the journey. So, with women and children, he really, they believe, could have only accomplished about 10 miles per day. There's no way he hit 30 miles. Well, what they've looked at as far as the numbers in this text, as far as it said that it was, uh, he was three days before he found out, then he pursued him seven days, and he finally overtook him. They look at those numbers, and they, it's really kind of hard to tell what they're getting at. But the assumption is not really that the text is trying, it, that it may have been type of a language that was understood back then. You hear people nowadays, we may say, man, it has been a minute since I've seen you, when really we're saying it's been a long time. So a type of language that was known back then is a possibility. They're really not sure how this all calculates out. But just to give you an idea, this was 300 miles that they had traveled before they finally caught up to Jacob, according to the text, in the land of Gilead. Continuing there in verse 31. Genesis 31, 31 to 35. Here he says, Then Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I said, Perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. Now there's something else I need you to understand before we continue reading here that I failed to mention as we were there just a minute ago. You notice the accusations Laban has when he catches up with Jacob, he's like, how could you have left without telling me you were leaving? And he was saying, you're basically wrong for that. But also, if you recall in the text, God had visited him in a dream the night before. And he told him, he came to Laban, the Syrian, in a dream that night and said to him, be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. Why? Because Jacob was God's chosen vessel at this time to carry on the nation of Israel, which is to come very soon in our text. I mean, it's going to be years, but to us, as we go through the Bible, it'll seem a lot sooner. When he catches up with him, he accuses him of taking his daughters and his sons, and he's talking about his grandchildren and his daughters away like captives, and without telling him bye, basically, and letting him send him off, which, judging by the text and the tone of Jacob here, Jacob didn't believe that. We're going to talk about Jacob's response as we read this next part that I just started a minute ago. But he asked why he fled from him. He said, I could have sent you away with joy and songs. However, he didn't get to tell him bye, basically. And now you've done foolishly, but it is, and he says it's in my power to harm you. Notice that. But the God of your father spoke to me last night. And told him to be careful not to say anything good or bad to Jacob. And his assumption as we continue reading the text here is that Laban assumes, I'm, I guess you're longing to see your dad again, your father again, so you left me, you know, but why did you steal my gods? Notice the accusation. 
Remember what happened? I think it was last week we talked about this. Rachel had stolen the gods, and this is going to be important as the text continues. Rachel had stolen her father's gods. Remember, they were supposed to bring luck and prosperity, basically, and provision and prosperity, and it was kind of like a good luck charm, I guess, and these were little idols, right? I guess unbeknownst to her that she's serving the true God now, because remember, this is all new to Jacob as well. He, he knows him as Elohim, and He's getting to know him now as Yahweh, the true God, the one and only God of life. So he's asking why he stole his gods. Now, check out. Now, let's go back to where we were at in verse 31. Jacob's response. Jacob answered and said to Laban, because I was afraid, for I said, perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. With whomever you find your gods, here it is, whomever you find your gods, do not let him live. He didn't know, he just spoke that curse over his wife. In the presence of our brethren, identify what I have of yours and take it with you. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. Remember, Rachel was his favorite. And Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, and into the two maids' tents. But he did not find them. Then he went, into, went out of Leah's tent, or Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household gods, or idols, and put them in the camel's saddle and set on them. Kind of deceptive, right? And Laban searched all about the tent but did not find them. She said to her father, Let it not displease my Lord that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of women is with me. And he searched, but did not find the household idols. What she basically said is, it's that time of month for me. Let me sit. Those of you that are adults, you probably understand that more, right? Let me sit here. I'm sorry I can't get up, Dad, but it's that time for me, and I've got to stay seated. But really what she was doing was lying because the gods were underneath of her, and she did not want to get caught. Because what did Jacob said? He said, let whoever has your gods or your idols be put to death. Notice that. Let him not, well, how did it word it here in the New King James? Don't let him live. Basically, kill him. If he stole something, go ahead and kill him. Because he's not knowing that Rachel's really the one that has stolen those gods from her father. Now, I want to give a brief statement that's going to sum up the next two sections we're going to talk about. Because there's a little conversation and a covenant going on here. When, when Laban and Jacob finally meet face to face, there is a major confrontation between them. With each airing the complaints built up through 20 years of underhanded behavior. 20 years of all this festering and boiling. Remember, Jacob wanted to work seven years for Rachel. He ended up with Leah. Then he had to work another seven years to get Rachel. And then he stayed another six years, and that's when God began to prosper him, according to the text. Here's what it says in Genesis 31, 36 to 42. This is Jacob. Because now Laban has not found the so-called idols or gods that he was in the tent looking for. When he comes back out, check out this frustration as it festers. You can notice it in Jacob's response. Genesis 31, 36 to 42. Here's what it says. Then Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me? 
Although you have searched all my things, what part of your household things have you found? So it here, or set it here before my brethren and your brethren, that they may judge between us both. These 20 years, here comes the frustration that we've noticed has been festering. He says, these 20 years, verse 38, I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried their young. I have not eaten the rams of your flock. That which was torn by beast I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. In other words, you deducted my salary if something happened to one of it, one of them. Reading on. There I was in the day the drought consumed me and in frost by night and my sleep departed from my eyes. In other words, I didn't sleep very good. I was out in the frost. I was out in the drought. I was out. And thus I have been in your house 20 years. I served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. And you have changed my wages 10 times. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. And God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. What's the point? What's Jacob trying to say here? You're up here accusing me of stealing your stuff, false idols at that. But yet you've searched throughout my tents. Now, or out my tents. Now, unbeknownst to him, Rachel's been sitting on these little things the whole time. That's going to be important as we go through the text a little bit. You've searched everything. You've searched all my tents. I've got nothing of yours. If I do have something, lay it right here on the ground. Let everybody see what I've stolen from you so that we can be held accountable by everybody looking right now. Laban couldn't do it. He hadn't found anything. Now, remember, Jacob still doesn't know they're in Rachel's tent. And what did he say? His frustration came out. You have changed my wages ten times. You have deceived me. Now remember, in Jacob's past, he was the same way. So it's kind of a lesson being learned at the same time that God's showing him things. But he said, you've deceived me with your daughters. I worked an additional six years because remember, he didn't even leave until Joseph had been born to Rachel, which was her firstborn because traditionally in this day, the husband and wife didn't leave the father's house until they had their first child. Then they began their own caravan you could say or group their own establishments their own family their own possessions all that so once joseph was born that's when he's like i'm ready to go and god gave him permission he said go i want you to go back to your father's house check out laban's response verse 43 laban answered and said to jacob these daughters are my daughters Mm, here we go and these children are my children and this flock is my flock All that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these my daughters or to their children whom they have born? Now, therefore, come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. 
Then Jacob said to his brethren, gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there on the heap. Laban called it Jagar Sahadutha, and Jacob called it Galid. And Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore, its name was called Galid. Also Mizpah, because he said, may the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent one from another. And if you afflict my daughters or if you take other wives besides my daughters, although no man is with us, see, or no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. So what's going on here? Laban's basically saying, everything you own is mine. Now, wait a minute. Didn't he make a deal? The deal was, if I work for you, he got the daughters. And if I continue to work for you, my payment, he didn't take wages, my payment will be the livestock or the sheep, the goats that are speckled, striped, spotted, which seemed impossible at the time that the deal was made because Laban removed all of the ones that were already there. And Jacob's like, remove them all. And this is how I'm going to show you that God's with me. That's faith. This is how I'm going to show you that God is with me. Remove every one of the speckled and spotted. And now, from now on, from this day on, when they bear speckled and spotted, they're mine. That's my possession. That's my payment for continuing. Well, Laban, if you remember, thought, hey, this is a pretty good deal because the odds were against Jacob, at least it looked like. Because, you know, when you remove the speckled and spotted, really all you got left are white or black in the goat's case. They're not speckled and spotted. So Laban's, Laban's thinking, that's a pretty good deal. He's like, okay, your word's not mine. You got you a deal. Let's do it. What happened over the next, according to this, six years, Jacob prospered. Laban lost a whole lot. I'm not going to say he lost everything because we're not really sure on that, but he lost a lot. Now Laban, in a, a burst of pride, I would say, He's like, wait a minute. It's because of me that you have anything. But then you notice they said, let us make a covenant. Because Laban knew this wasn't going to be able to be settled this way. So what they did was they took stones. And in this day, it was like a tradition that you would set up stones that represented your God's lowercase. Laban, Jacob's God, who we know was the true God. But they would set stones up to represent that and now what they said, if you notice the last statement, there still wasn't trust there when this thing was broke. But what Laban basically said at the end there was, verse 49, may the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent from one another. In other words, I don't trust you, but, listen up, if you afflict my daughters or if you take otherwise besides my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. In other words, I don't trust you, but you know what? I, it's, I can't fight you because it's already happened. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to set up these stones and may the gods curse you, punish you, whatever you want to say, if you do anything to my daughters or anything to that, because he wouldn't know because they parted from here. We don't hear of them coming back together ever again. So they don't know. So what they did was they let the gods hold them accountable, right? 
verses 51 to 55. We're getting ready to wrap up our passage this morning and going to get ready to close here shortly. Then Laban said to Jacob, here is this heap and here is this pillar which I have placed between you and me. This heap is a witness and this pillar is a witness that I will not pass beyond this heap to you and you will not pass beyond this heap from this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, and the God of their father judged between us. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father, Isaac. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his brethren to eat bread. And they ate bread and stayed all night on the mountain. And early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. What just happened? We've already established in the previous passage, there wasn't a trust here. They, they didn't trust each other still. So what this, not only did this represent the gods will hold you accountable, but this was a dividing line. These stones that they had set up. Kind of like drawing a line in the sand. You've heard that saying nowadays. This is it. We're dividing here. You can't cross this point to do any harm to me. And I won't cross that point to do any harm to you. And they parted ways. So they drew a line. And scripture doesn't tell us at least that they ever saw each other again. So they let the gods hold them accountable. And I think that's all I got today. We're going to stop. Go ahead and stop. If you're tuning with me online, I want to say thank you so much for tuning But if you've never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you would like to do so today, it's really a simple thing. You simply ask, what had happened with Jacob? What had happened with Jeremiah? We've talked about both today. Because of God's favor on their life, God's blessing on their life, they were able to accomplish what it was that they had. Now, Jacob hasn't received that name change just yet. We're getting to it. I'm looking to see if it's going to take another week or two weeks. I'll look into that this week so we'll find out how much we've got left of this series. But we're going to be wrapping it up over the next week or two. And when we get to the name change, I want you to notice how God blesses and he's been blessing Jacob. It's nothing Jacob did. It's what God did. God says, I want to bless you. God told Jeremiah, I want to use you. Jeremiah hadn't done nothing. Like we said, he was a kid. I can't talk. What? God, are you sure you're talking to me? Anybody had those moments with God? I have. I ain't gonna lie. I literally, God would speak something to me and, <laughs> are you talking to me? Me? God, are you sure? We've all had those moments in our life. But understand this. God is wanting to use you to accomplish great things in this world. And he's wanting to use you to reach other people. And the time is coming when he's going to use you and he may already be using you maybe he's already using you but you need to understand this God loves you I'm going to throw that out there this morning and he wants to use you he chooses to use you to make a difference in a fallen world so if you really would like to receive Christ become a child of God through what we call adoption into the Abraham's seed which we'll get into as we go through the scriptures We become adopted into the body of Christ. And we simply get that by asking. You just say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death. 
that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. And like I always say, it doesn't even take all those words. You simply need to repent. Turn from your ways. Follow God's ways. James tells us if you believe Jesus rose from the dead, you shall be saved. Why would you come to a Savior if you didn't think he could save you? If you prayed that prayer this morning, you made it from the bottom of your heart, I want to say congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. I want to ask you to do one more thing to kind of help you disciple through your journey, and that is go to our website, nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. At the top of the page, click on the menu button. There'll be a Dropbox drop-down. If you go all the way to the right side, you'll click on the link that says The Road to New Life. Click on that link. It takes you to a separate website that I created in college that will walk you through the process, the need, why we needed it, what happened, how does all this thing work together. That's what the pages are for. If you follow each page in order, when you get to the final page, there's a prayer similar to the one I just prayed, and there's a contact form. That comes directly to my email, Cruz at yahoo.com. Go ahead and send me an email. Let me know that you received Christ this morning. I would love to know about it and celebrate with you. And your next step is you need to find you a good church home and get started on your discipleship journey and then be baptized following in Jesus' footsteps. And from there, God can take you on an adventure of a lifetime or you can choose to continue going your own way and not go anywhere. So thank you so much for tuning this morning. I pray that you'll check that out. God bless you if you receive Christ this morning. I celebrate and I rejoice with you. Next week, we're going to continue this series from Jacob to Israel as we continue that journey through the Word. God bless you, and I'll see you next week.